0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
1: Progressive damage to nerve cells and their connections depicts Alzheimer's disease and includes memory loss, impaired thinking.
0: everyone and welcome to I don't know show number 51 50, 51, 51 <laughs> of the video now broadcast of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation yes. with the Blonde Bomb Show Ian Kerrigan
1: and <laughs> New oh, <England's>
0: yeah. <laughs> Man, Helsing. Yeah, this happy, happy guy. See?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also, what this, of course, is our angel. Who is it? Two shot. Two shot. So we can going to show my angel. There's my there angel. There she is. Over there. There she is. There she is. And, of course, old Chatterbones
1: right here. What's his name? <laughs> Isn't he great? What's his name? I didn't give him a name. Why not? Can't have, not have um, a name for him. Quickly. Uh, Gus. Gus. This is Gus. Gus. On the, the screen behind driver.
0: us. <laughs> so today we're going to take you down a place you've never been before.
1: That's right. That's right. And by many means of transportation. Exactly. We will take you down that road. Because
0: we're going to talk about haunted planes, trains, automobiles. What else? Ships. Ships.
1: Um, I think that covers all the forms of oh, transportation. Oh, you would
0: think that. But, ah, 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 we start the show with a haunted, almost a vehicle from my fabulous book, Ghost Today, Day, which contains many stories on ghost planes, trains. Yes,
1: it and does. Mobiles.
0: Yes, it does. But I'm going to talk about something a little different. Okay. I'm going to talk about a haunted swing.
1: That's not a mode of transportation.
0: Yes, people go back and forth. Back yeah, and four, you don't go anywhere. Yeah, they go back. You
1: hang in one week, spot. Badly,
0: this week. Oh.
1: Sometimes they fall off. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, you're stretching it there.
0: So, anyways, October 26, 2007. This is a new one too. Wow. The hard to swing. 2007 is new. Oh my God. That's right. It's 18 now. It's getting old, huh? <laughs> yeah. I was going through some of my tapes the other day from the investigations, and I was looking at the tapes. And I said, oh, that wasn't too long. Then I realized it was like 15 years or something. Oh, yeah, Holy I know. Holy crap. Right. Anyway. Oh,
1: yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Moving right along. That's <laughs> uh, 15 years ago.
0: From Matt, Argentina. Through the years, people have been frightened by many possessed or haunted items, but never a playground swing. Until now. Probably not. The citizens of Fermat Argentina became spooked when a playground swing began to smooth on its own.
1: Smooth? Smooth. Smooth. Smook.
0: The middle swing of three <laughs> I'm not gonna show <laughs> the middle one <laughs> began to swing back and forth by itself.
1: Imagine that.
0: While the other one the other two stayed still. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, still, it was like some invisible child was on it, said one parent. After a couple of months of anxious parrots, the parrots, <laughs> it's going to be a good show. Parents, parrots, whatever. Parents, parents. yeah. Uh, they informed the police.
1: What did they think the police were going to do about I have no it? no clue.
0: Its movement. Help, <laughs> there's a ghost. There's a swing. Help. Yep. Yeah. Hello? Its movement even baffled them. Because Imagine the, that. Yeah, Must be hard. <laughs> they in turn contacted a physics professor for an explanation. After investigating, the professor ruled out environmental causes such as wind, vibration, and electromagnetic forces that would swing, continue to move at one point for a ten
1: days straight. That is a long Well the other ride. two didn't move at all. <laughs> That kid really wanted to play.
0: Teacher Maria de de Agostina told reporters that one scared child had named it the Blair Witch Playground. (laughs) When asked her opinion, she said, I think it's haunted.
1: There you go. You just could have asked the kids. They know.
0: The Blair Witch Playground.
1: Blair Witch Playground. (laughs) <laughs> That's hysterical. All right. uh, okay. All right. A swing? All right.
0: It's Whatever. a movement of transportation. Uh, uh, it takes you from here to there, from here to there, it's, it's, there no. to here. Oh,
1: look, my hair's green.
0: Yeah, it looks good and green.
1: Just so you know, folks, my hair is not really green. It's it just the green, green it screen. Green. It's not really green. Yes. I swear to God. Fine. Whatever. So it's just... It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. The blonde, I'll, green, I'll, or
1: should we say the green bombshell? The green bombshell. Look, at she's got tinting in it. All right. Okay. So I have my old lady glasses on. All right. That's a new look with the green. Stunning, isn't it? Yeah. Stunning. All right. So my, I have an actual mode of transportation here. Really? Mine's about a ghost plane. Go figure, right?
0: Ghost planes? Planes can be hot.
1: It, it, this one, this is, this is, it's not what you think, though. Oh, it's not what I think. It's not what you think. Although it is about, you know what I, I think, don't like right? a ghost plane. So, uh, in the early afternoon of October 25th, 1999, the pheasant hunters were still working the first of John Hoffman's fields, going pheasant hunting, and the man who was running the hunt looked up, and as the men, when they pheasant hunt, apparently they walk along in a straight line, you know, like across the field, and they go forward. So
0: they have beaters that beat the pheasants out.
1: Um, yeah, this guy had a dog. He, he, he had a had so. a, a a lab. So they're all busy doing this, and he caught something out of the corner of his eye. Yes, and realized he was seeing the large silhouette of a jet plane headed directly toward the ground. The distance of the plane from where he stood was hard to judge—a mile, two miles, three. And he couldn't even be sure of the size of the plane. And at first he thought it was an Can airliner. I you for
0: a yes. Is there a picture that goes with this?
1: Yes, there is. But mm. wait, not yet. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Oh. Not yet, Russ. Okay. So he couldn't be sure of the size of the plane. He thought maybe it was an airliner from where he was. And then he said, Well, shouldn't there be some kind of sound? I'm not hearing anything. The plane almost seemed an apparition. There were no roar of engines as it headed toward the ground. There was no explosion. And the cornfield beyond him blocked his final view of what happened to this plane that nobody, apparently, no one else was seeing. So. He hesitated to even speak, but he finally said, I think I just saw a plane crash out there in the fields. Didn't any of you guys see it? It was right there. And at that moment, four F-16 fighter jets dived from the sky one after another, and there was a lot of noise. They dove again, coming close to where the man had seen the plane disappear. They pulled up, turned around, and came back someone said well maybe it was one of those planes and he said no I know I saw a plane go down so they walked towards a railroad grade in the middle of the property where they could get a better look and then they started to hear the sirens something had happened for sure so let's see uh, what happened was then Oh, sorry I have a little blip in the Just middle here. It there. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to chop that out. Okay. So, oh my goodness. Sorry, I'm, good mixed I'm mixed up. I'm, I'm mixed up here. Oh, go figure the blonde bombshell. <laughs> All right. So fast forward to NORAD Command in Colorado Springs mm-hmm. where they got a call from the FAA and said they had a derelict aircraft. And all this is happening, by the way, in uh, South Dakota. So they said, we have a derelict aircraft. It's not responding to calls. And they asked if we could send someone up to look at it. This was prior to the crash, folks. Sorry. This was not an unprecedented request, and various situations arise in which airplanes lose contact with the ground and military fighters are sent up to investigate. The military pilots sometimes waves to the civilian pilot, whose radio is broken down, and the civilian pilot waves back and finds a place to land. When Jacksonville Air Traffic Control lost contact with the Lear 35 at 933, the plane had just been cleared to proceed to 39,000 feet. All subsequent attempts to reach the pilots had been unsuccessful. Also, radar showed that the plane had not made a scheduled left turn to head toward Texas. Continue instead on its previous northern course. So, they sent out a call for assistance, and they sent an F-16 to catch up with the plane. And he had never done this before, so this was new to him, too. The chase took approximately 50 minutes, and when the pilot spotted the Lear, he slowed down to match its speed. He flew in formation with the Lear on the left side and then the right, flew underneath the Lear and above it. Visibility was perfect. He thought as he stared from the bubble canopy of his fighter that if he was standing and looking at the plane parked on the ground, he couldn't have had a better view than he did now. He hoped to see people in the windows, or at least see some external damage that was causing some problems, and he saw neither. Okay, um, can we put up the uh, first Sorry. of my pictures? Sorry, yep. There you go. So this is the plane, this is the Learjet that they were looking at, and they couldn't see any people on it, and it was just flying along. Thank you, Russ. So the plane was flying perfectly, but the windows were all frosted and clouded over, oh, as I if know what's there were in the windows eye. in a freezer. The pilot immediately knew the sad truth. The frozen condensation on the inside of the windows meant that the Lear's oxygen systems were not functioning correctly and the plane was flying on autopilot. The people inside, whoever they were and however many they were, were already dead. (gasps) It was definitely a helpless feeling. It was something out of the Twilight Zone. As the plane moved north, the FAA cleared a tunnel of airspace for it, rerouting transcontinental flights that might cross its path. The Lear climbed higher sometimes and dropped sometimes, but maintained its course on the same straight line. Uh, At 12.22, now almost three hours later, the first of two final pairs of F-16 escort fighters were sent airborne and intercepted the Lear. At 1.14 p.m., the Fargo Jets reported that the Lear had started to fall as it ran out of fuel, spiraling towards a cornfield where it hit with such force that it left a crater 42 feet long, 21 feet wide, and 8 feet deep. Whoa. So it did finally crash, and pieces of the plane are still in a hangar at Aberdeen Airport. Other pieces have been taken and tested and analyzed. But the violence of this crash destroyed so much of the plane and the bodies of the pilots and passengers frozen solid before impact fared no better. So there was literally almost nothing left. They were never able to determine exactly why the flight crew could never determine, could, would never have gotten their oxygen uh, and the plane had perfect maintenance records. Uh, Russ, I think I have another picture there uh, so the farmer who owns the land placed a memorial stone on the one acre of land where the crash occurred with the names of the victims in a bible passage now what the most famous passenger on this plane was a golfer named Payne Stewart and Russ you can proceed to that next question that next uh, picture should be Payne Stewart and there he is and won the Masters and all these PGA things. I'm not a big golf person. He was on that plane. So very (laughs) tragic. Um, And just the plane was just flying with all those people aboard. So that's my ghost plane story. That. How cheerful.
0: I actually remember that.
1: Yeah, well, it was 1999. Yeah. So...
0: So fairly new for me.
1: <laughs> Just yesterday for Ron. <laughs> yeah.
0: But okay. interesting you say that. All right. I to come back with my own little ghost plane. All right. This occurred in 2017, which, like, was almost yesterday. Oh,
1: that, that okay. We, we can go with yesterday on that. All right. Okay. Yes. U.S. Was, and yeah.
0: Canadian authorities are rightfully spooked about a plane crashing in Ontario, Canada on a Wednesday night. I don't know what that's got to do with it, but... There you go what sugar you may ask there's absolutely no trace of anybody actually on the plane mm-hmm. sparking one of the weirdest mysteries of the year <coughs> oh no I'm gonna die today <laughs> we're in great shape they tonight. do it on live <laughs> anyway the alleged ghost plane was a rented Cessna 172 based out of Michigan which went down into a snow uh, field uh, on the north shore of Lake Superior around 11.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night. We said that. (laughs) According to to avweb.com, the spooky part is that local police reported no sign of a pilot in the crash. There were no footprints, tracks in the snow anywhere, and the plane itself was empty. Evidently... It had crashed after running out of fuel on autopilot, mm-hmm. which still uh, was engaged in the wreckage. According to WawaNews.com, Wawa! The final flight was uh, set to be uh, from Ann Arbor to Harbor Springs, Michigan, but the plane overshot and ended up in Canada. Ontario Provincial Police claim uh, the crash is now a missing person case and investigated by the University of Michigan Police Department. Uh, up, let's see, update. Oh, they have an update on this ooh, already. update. Ooh, ooh. Breaking news. <laughs> update. Uh, up, uh, March 21st at 9 a.m., Michigan Live, you know Michigan Live, All is reporting that the missing case is for a University of Michigan graduate student who was last seen on March 15th. The Eyes of March. Ah. And rented the plane in the Antarctica. The distance of 470 miles from Antarctica to the crash site in just, uh, it's the, the range of the plane is only 440, and they went 407. So what exactly is up? Nobody knows. What happened to its pilot and why there was no trace of him.
1: That's crazy. Oh my god. Crazy. Wow. That's that's what we do in this show. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You want no picture of that? No picture for that? No. No? It would just be a plane.
0: It would be a plane. But we don't.
1: That's nuts. Yep. Anyways. Uh Uh-huh. So
0: what do you got now? All right.
1: I have a cursed shipwreck. No way. I do. A cursed shipwreck. I do. I've talked about this before because I think it is just such a fascinating thing uh, about this shipwreck. Okay, so this is the cursed shipwreck of Australia, and it's the USS Alkimos. They're going to go, oh, yeah, she already talked about that. I'm going to talk about it again. Oh, yeah, she already talked about that. So the Alkimos has a just basically completely cursed history. Uh, And it was a merchant shipping vessel built during World War II. It was originally named the George M. Shriver.
0: That explains what.
1: (laughs) I wasn't around back then, so I can't tell you. Uh, The vessel (laughs) was known as a liberty ship. And basically these were cargo ships that were designed to be mass produced quickly and cheaply. And this one was built in only ten days. And apparently, they did not have very many safety precautions in place. And supposedly, some unfortunate welders were reportedly seal- sealed between the hulls of the vessel, where they perished. Oh, and Russ, we can put up the first picture. Uh, there you go. That's the original USS uh, George M. Shriver. That's it. Which became li- the what, what kind of ship? Was it a Liberty ship? It was a Liberty ship. Oh, okay. A merchant shipping vessel. Yep. All right. So that was what it looked like when it was uh, when it was built back in the day. So it was said that the construction of the shri- ship not only were the welders sealed in, it was also fraught with an unusual number of bizarre, freak accidents. And before it had even been launched, it had gained a reputation as being unlucky. The ship was officially put into service on October 11, 1943 as the George M. Shriver, but did not retain that name for very long. Uh, after, uh, it was not yet the Alamos. On October 20th, it was assigned to the Norwegian shipping and trade mission and its name was changed to the Vigo Hanstein. An incident occurred in August 1944 when the ship became the scene of a brutal murder-suicide. While the ship was at port in Naples to unload ammunition and gliders, a female Canadian radio operator was shot by another crew member, who then proceeded to shoot himself. It was a shocking and senseless crime that further punctuated the growing consensus that the ship was cursed. The rumors circulated and it got to the point that some crewmen refused to serve aboard it, calling it the unluckiest vessel afloat. After the war, it changed hands several times and ended up with a Greek shipping company where it was rechristened the Alkimos. In 1963, after nearly two decades of service with the Greek company, it ran aground at a reef called Beagle Rocks off Western Australia. With the ship's propeller badly damaged, the decision was made to tow it so that basic repairs could be done, after which it would be towed to Hong Kong for more extensive repairs. While awaiting repairs at Fremantle, the Alkermost mysteriously caught fire and the ensuing blaze caused even more damage to the vessel. When the minor repairs were finally finished and the Alkermost was on its way to Hong Kong, the tow line inexplicably snapped just an hour after departure and strong waves sent it hurtling towards the shore where it ran aground again. The beach ship could not be moved and was weighed down with water and left for salvage efforts. The beaching of the Alcamos did nothing to dilute whatever strange force was influencing it. Caretakers who stayed aboard the vessel uh, often reported hearing inexplicable noises such as footsteps, voices and tapping sounds. On occasion phantom smells were detected, commonly reported being the smell of cooking from the empty galley. It also said the ship projected a peculiar feeling of menace, causing an uncomfortable sense of being watched. And he had to stand up on end for no immediately discernible reasons. And, Russ, we can put up the next picture, please. There it is. That's when it had ran aground and was just sitting off the coast of Australia.
0: Do you know those people?
1: Uh, yeah, they're my cousins. Oh, okay. Okay. Salvage operation was finally launched in 1964, and after being dislodged from the beach, the Alamos was towed, towed towards Manila by the vessel the Pacific Star. Apparently, the ship did not want to be moved because soon after departing, the Pacific Star was ordered to cease its operations due to a financial dispute with a company in Manila. Unable to legally tow the Alkamos any further, the Pacific Star anchored her four kilometers south of Yanchep Beach, near a place called Eglinton Rocks, and left it there. Shortly thereafter, strong waves broke the ship free of its anchor, and it became badly damaged and stuck on the rocks. And in a further bizarre and somewhat sinister turn of events, the Pacific Star mysteriously caught fire as it was docked and awaiting legal proceedings. These guys can't catch a break. The Alcamos remained where it was, and there was a long process of changing hands, and just nothing happened to it. it, it, They couldn't move it. Several salvage crews who came to try and repair it, complained of having their tools mysteriously move from one place to another, or to disappear altogether, only to reappear later in a completely different locations. They had the mysterious sounds, the smells, workers reported being followed by footsteps, voices were heard, and the galley once again proved to be one of the centers of weirdness aboard the vessel, emitting the smells of cooking inactivity. In a deadlier turn of events, one female caretaker who spent some time aboard the vessel suffered a serious fall and lost the baby she was carrying. Ooh. In 1969, uh, giving up all hope of trying to salvage the vessel, they be- began dismantling it for scrap, only for bad luck to strike again with a vengeance. A Navy submariner by the name of Ted Snyder was called in to make measurements of the propeller and rudders of the Alamos and the amount of explosives needed to dismantle them. Uh, Shortly after, Snyder and three others were mysteriously killed in a freak plane crash while on their way to another unrelated project. (laughs) Subsequent salvage workers began the dismantling process, only to be driven off by a fire that suddenly broke out. After this, it just laid there and rotted (laughs) where it remains to this day. And we can put up the next picture. Uh, There it is. It's completely submerged. We should go there. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Let's go to Australia. Road trip. Road trip. Uh, The area is still notorious for having motorboats break down, divers complaining of malfunctioning equipment and cameras, Visiting, climbing on the ship, suffering falls. Well, it is underwater. Mm. Uh, horses on the beach become agitated and spooked. And there are also ghost sightings of an apparition aboard the wreck said to wear rubber boots and oil skins. Okay. Uh, also allegedly home to a ghost of a small dog. Oh, and wow. there have been several near drownings around the half-sunken shunk- ship say that five times even stranger is the tale of author jack wong sue who was vis- who visited the alchemist in order to do research for his book ghost of the Alchemos*. he became suddenly and inexplicably ill with a rare respiratory illness shortly after his trip although he lived the condition got so bad during his 10-month struggle with it that at one point he was not expected to survive he lived to tell the tale and finished the book.
0: At least he didn't burst into flames. I
1: know, right? And the Alkermost can still be found where it was abandoned all those years ago, just a short drive north of Perth. So, that is the cursed shipwreck of the Alkermost. U- that the was a cursed shipwreck. That, I, I've never heard of anything so cursed. That so, was <laughs> mucho cursed. You can go and look at it, but I don't think there's much left to it. Well, I could
0: get a piece of it and... In my collection,
1: you might get killed getting it.
0: Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> don't all Whatever. live forever.
1: That's true. So, I have
0: my own ship story. All right, another ship. So, Russ, can I have R1 please? And what we're going to be looking at is the Outrang Medan, or uh, Medan, M E D A N, Medan, Medan. Sounds
1: like it, All right. Medan,
0: Outrang Medan. Oh, ring. But wrong. Know. Sorry. This uh, infamous ghost ship is now uh, a infamous. shipwreck. What? Infamous. That too. Infamous. <laughs> <laughs> this infamous ghost ship is now a shipwreck at the bottom of the sea near the Dutch Indies. In uh, June 1947, two American vessels were navigating the Strait of Malacala. Malacaca. <laughs> Malacaca. <laughs> Malacca, uh, <laughs> something. Malacca, like like Yeah, what? The two ships, okay. the city of Baltimore and the Silver Star, uh, began to pick up a distress signal from the outrang Medin. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is.
1: Medanga, Langa, Langa, Langa. Yeah. Okay.
0: The message was written in Morse code, Ooh. and it went. S.O.S. from the Outrang Moran. We float. We all, all, all officers, including the captain, dead in the chat room and on the bridge. Chat room. Chat room. Could be a chat room. Don't chat room. Okay. Probably the whole crew dead. Then it was a few dots and a dash, and then he heard. I die. And nothing <gasps> Nothing came in. Later, the ships found the... and boarded the outman, Medin, whatever it was, and found no damage whatsoever. What they did find, however, was that everybody on board was dead, Ooh. including a dog. Aww. Yep. They had their mouths wide open, and there were no signs of inig- injuries. Huh. Later... A fire broke out, and they all had to be the evaporated. The outman
1: evaporated,
0: evaporated, almost like evacuated. <laughs> this
1: is going well.
0: <laughs> yes, yep. I know. I need my water. <laughs> <laughs> the outrag, the outrag Marie
1: promptly exploded. Boom.
0: <laughs> and now she is on the bottom Sorry. of the sea.
1: Oh my God!
0: Yes, isn't that a scary? One? That's very they got scary. A message from it.
1: T- 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 That's um. Telegraphs from the dead. Yes, yes, yes. even Cap- better than phone calls. That's from the right. Dead. You know, telegraphs from the dead. Captain,
0: all officers dead. Crew, all dead. I, I die. die. Okay. Oh, so sad.
1: That's 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 a good gr- that's a good one. Even a dog. That's really a good Damn. one.
0: Oh. Well, what do
1: you got there, kid? Well, before go on, I go any further, yes, we should take a break. Wait, what do we, got? <laughs> we have our favorite Paranews reporter. Ooh. Power news. Oh, oh, oh hello! We, oh. we have to wake up the camera operator. I am going to so get so he can turn the camera. I'm getting ready <laughs> for the power news because I've right. got my popcorn. Get your popcorn ready. I'm excited. And let's run the intro to the power news, Russ. So all right, camera is.
2: Welcome to Parano News. I'm your host, Nathan Mayer. <laughs> uh, tonight, I'll be discussing 10 on-screen haunted transportation through the ages. I'll start with a 1963 episode of The Twilight Zone uh, called Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. The appointed destination happens to be in the darkest corner of The Twilight Zone. The story follows the only passenger on a airline flight to notice a hideous gremlin creature lurking outside the plane. 1971's Duel. Fear is, in the, driving, is the driving force. A 1955 Peter built 281 tanker truck driven by a Teamster or possible serial killer who is having a really bad day. <laughs> 1977's The Car. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. No way way to stop the car. A demonic, hit-and-run-happy Lincoln Continental Mark III that revels in antagonizing residents of a small Utah town. 1983's Christine. How do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? A beautiful but berserk 1958 Plymouth Fury with a penchant for... Regeneration and plowing down innocent people. 1986's Maximum Overdrive, Evil's Wheels. Various marauding and murderous vehicles, including, most notably, a gangster, a gang of sinister semi trailer trucks. 1989's A Nightmare on Elm Street Five, The Dream Child, Ben not dream and drive. <laughs> Dan, Alice's boyfriend, falls asleep at the wheel, dreams his motorcycle turns into Freddy Cougar, and suddenly awakes into dream- before slamming into oncoming traffic, killing him. 2001's Fear Takes A or 2001's Jeepers Creepers. Fear takes a road trip. A souped up Chevy delivery truck from hell operated by a cannibalistic boogeyman with wings named the Creeper. 2001's Joyride, Terror Comes in All Shapes and All Sizes, a standard big rig with not-so-standard lunatic named Rusty Nail behind the wheel (laughs) and the CB radio, 2003's Black Cadillac, Revenge is in the Driver's Seat, a sinister 1957's Cadillac driven by a mysterious drag racing crazy Pursuant. The last one, 2007's Death Proof. White-hot terror at 200 miles per hour. A classic 1971 Chevy Nova and a 1969 Dodge Charger converted into vernacular homicide machines by a psychotic former Hollywood stuntman. The ride of on-screen, haunted transportation through the ages has now ended, a ride not only from point A to point B, but also from the fear of recurring monsters that travel. So fear no longer, for they are just fiction. You will not uh, remain isolated in this fear for too much longer. For happily tangible man- manifestation is very often left as evidence of trespass, even from so intangible a quarter as the paranews. Safe travels. Ah ha 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 ha
1: ha 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 that was <laughs> over. He snuck that onto the set, and I never even saw it. I never saw it. There you go. He snuck it goodness. right by both of us. <laughs> that was great. Nice work, Nate. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
0: I'm surprised, though. He did not put on Ghost Rider. Nicholas Clay Cage in the motorcycle finale.
1: Oh. L. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next
0: time. I like the one with the Craigie Truger. Kruger turns into a motorcycle or something. Whatever. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I, I, I haven't seen that one, to tell you the truth.
1: Uh, I I missed it, too. Yeah. All right. So one of the things, speaking of Christine. Yes. Uh, which was mentioned on that list. Hey. I have the car that was the inspiration.
0: No way. Is a for real Christine.
1: car? Yes. Yes. Wow. There was an inspiration for Mr. King. And. And. <laughs> all right. Stephen King's Christine made for one hell of a terrifying book and movie. But what if there really is a car so haunted and so possessed that it's known for killing dozens and dozens of people? Meet the 1964 Dodge 330 Limited Edition, dubbed the Golden Eagle, the most evil car in America. Let's put that picture up for us so we can see what that looks like. There she is. There she is, lurking in the bushes. The Dodge was originally purchased as a police car for Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Of course, so that's where Stephen King got a hold of it, right? Yeah. But was sold to an elderly local man after the car began generating a creepy reputation. All three officers to ever drive the car died in bizarre murder suicides, killing their families and themselves. The car later became the everyday driver for current owner Wendy Allen's family, but this proved to be problematic as the car would randomly fling open its doors while going down the highway. Uh, That That would be a problem. That could be annoying. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oddly enough, the Golden Eagle never turned on the Allens as Wendy Allen... And the All- Allen's, as violently as it did so many others. Wendy Allen reports the car has killed 14 people, but it seems the number is actually much higher. In the 1980s and 1990s, members of different local churches, churches, I love this part, vandalized the car. Okay, we can put up the next picture, Russ. And apparently, each of the lead vandalizers died in a horrific. <laughs> Car crashes from eighteen wheelers decapitating them. Oh. That's annoying. Yeah. The car's current owner, and we can yeah, we can just go right to the next picture too. The car's current owner even claims all thirty-two people from the two groups died under strange circumstances, four of them being hit by lightning. Of all That's these strange stories related to this car. The deaths involving children are by far the creepiest. Two children, one in the 60s and one in the 80s, were hit by cars and flung across the street to land either under the bumper or on the hood of the Golden Eagle. Both died before paramedics could reach the scene. The last story is the most chilling. In 2008, a kid was dared to merely touch the Golden Eagle, and a couple of weeks later, he murdered his whole family. Even the dog. Oh, the
0: dog. How many dogs must die in these news? <laughs> it's awful. And burned so his house sad. to the
1: ground. There's another fire for you. There you go. Today, the car is in pieces after another dogs. church group. Yeah, there you go. What's with these church groups? Uh, Decided a demon was living in the car back in 2010. Think? The group stole the car, chopped it up.
0: Isn't that a sentence? And <laughs>
1: And distributed to various junkyards. But Wendy Allen's internet cries for help were heard, and most of the parts were found and returned. Why? Well, some more church groups can apparently <laughs> like it. turn into Tell a, a gang. In LA. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. The same church group has harshly labeled her as the Sea Witch of Old Orchard Beach. <laughs> and claims she uses the car to cast death spells. We should go visit her. Alan, yes we should. I hope she's still alive. Alan takes offense to people labeling her and the car as dark and demonic. I say it's just a car that has been passed down in my family for years and people are reading too much into the things that have happened to me, happened to people around the car. Because look at me, my family, my friends, we're fine, aren't we? If the car was hell bent on killing yeah, everyone. Glow,
0: we might have wings and why wands,
1: isn't everyone but then we're dead? <laughs> with the Golden Eagle in pieces and in hiding, Alan built the Dazzling Raspberry, a 1992 Volvo with over 2.5 million beads, toys, buttons, marbles, and rhinestones glued to it. She uses the car to raise autism awareness. She's also a writer, publisher, an all around interesting person. We should visit her. We should definitely visit, don't visit her. her. <laughs> definitely visit. I want to ride in a rhinestone but, car. But what I don't know is she claims she claims didn't she claim in this story that it killed all these people? Yeah. So why is she saying that people are making too much out of well, her story? I don't I don't quite understand that, but yeah. Christine inspiration. She
0: has two personalities. When she's possessed, she uh, writes the story and maybe. then when she's not. There you go. Yeah. So I don't have anything as Really, as nasty and as is that. Grisly as grizzly as that. But the good thing about it, no dogs died in my story.
1: Oh, thank God. they <laughs> They're getting true. few and far between.
0: <laughs> so, Russ, can we have uh, picture R2, please? Man, we'll take a look at R2. I've named these after myself, by the way.
1: I noticed. Yes.
0: R2, please. Baby. There you go. There
1: it is. All right, leave that up for a second that's a or two. Cool, so that's people a cool-looking thing. Oh, can we leave? Oh, um, we just lost, monitor? We lost no, we That's no, all right. No Sean unplugged our monitor. We fully blame the crew. All right, okay. so this
0: picture uh, was taken by a pilot who captured uh, what seems to be dozens of ghostly figures exiting a non existent plane and walking through the gangway. The clip was taken at Bangkok's Airway by pilot Vachivichibaba. Vachivichibaba? Vichibaba. From the cockpit of his aircraft, and reported to local media. Uh Uh, Footage filmed at night uh, appears to show passengers towing their luggage through the covered bridge towards the terminal at. Uh oh. In the (laughs) airport. PH is pronounced F, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I think. Puckett. Puckett International Airport (laughs) in Thailand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We got it. Keep going. Just saying. The jet doesn't appear to be connected to any plane. Uh, the jet bridge doesn't appear to be connected to any plane. And it leaves viewers baffled as where the passengers are coming from. Hmm. One user wrote, uh, there is a mobile staircase behind the air bridge. I suspect passengers deplaning on the tarmac got their suitcases and walked up. All right. Another added, if you look closely, the image of humans are not walking, but kind of
1: Loading. Ooh.
0: Right. So that's right at uh, Puckett Airport. Puckett.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That All right. was see, no
0: No dogs. That. Leave it
1: to you to <laughs> pick out a name that we can't say. I didn't know that until television. Now. Yeah, I know it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I have a good one. All right, this one's this one's another car. They're exceptional.
0: Yeah, i worked it's hard on these gross. things.
1: So I just have to say, when we said, well, let's do a show about haunted, you know, cars, <laughs> um, yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles and uh-huh. ships. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, 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 that would, that'll be really cool. And then I started doing all this research. I'm like, man, this is hard work. This is like work. Yeah. This is like really work. Yeah. So. I just want you to know how hard we work for you all to amuse you. All right. So I have the curse of James Dean's car. I'm not really sure if I can say Can I say that on TV? Sure you can. can A little I say bastard. It? A little bastard. There, I just said I it. I say it, and now we okay. get you off the hook. All right. Ron said it first. That's what they referred to the car as. When we think of the Porsche 550 Spider, and that's Spider with a Y, folks, there's James Dean. Oh, this is my so, pH. So handsome. The first thing that comes to mind is James Dean. We suggest you stop thinking about it if you enjoy your health. Since James Dean's death in 1955, the Porsche 550 Spider has become infamous as the car that killed him. Let's see. I'm sorry. While filming Rubble Without a Cause, James Dean had upgraded from the 356 to the 550 Spider, and decided that he wanted to make it uniquely his. Dean called upon George Barris of movie car fame to customize the Porsche. He gave a tartan seats two red stripes over the rear wheels and plastered the number 130 on its doors, hood, and engine cover. And we can put up that picture... Which should be next. There it is. Oh yeah. Uh same he, pretty he was a looker, wasn't pretty he? fancy. The name a Little Bastard was given by Dean language coach Bill Hickman and was later painted on the car by master pinstriper Dean Jeffries. On September twenty-third of nineteen fifty-five, Dean met actor Alec Guinness. Who is he?
0: Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan
1: Kenobi. Outside of a restaurant and had him take a look at the spider.
0: No dogs die in this, way. No. Oh, thank God.
1: Guinness told Dean that the car had a sinister appearance and then told Dean, if you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. Seven days later, Dean would be killed in his beloved little bastard. It not only killed James Dean, but killed and maimed others who came in contact with it, causing many to say that the thing was cursed. George Barris, and he did like the Batman car, too, I think, among others. Maybe the Munsters as well. Uh, George Barris, who customized the 550 originally, bought the wrecked carcass... And we can put that picture up next, Russ. For $2,500, and soon after, Ugh. it slipped off its trailer and broke a mechanic's leg. Ouch. Not long after, Barris sold the engine and drivetrain to Troy McHenry and William Eshrid. While the two were both racing against one another in cars that had parts from the car... McHenry lost control and hit a tree, killing him instantly, and Eshrid was seriously injured when his car suddenly locked up and rolled over while going into a turn. Barris still had two tires from the 550, which were untouched in Dean's accident. He sold them and not long after, both blew out simultaneously, causing the new owner's car to run off the road. Barris had kept the car in his possession, sans the sold parts, and it caught the attention of two would-be thieves. One of the thieves' arms was torn open trying to steal the steering wheel, while the other was injured trying to remove the blood-stained tartan seat. Due to all the incidents involving the car, Barris decided to hide it, but was convinced by the California Highway Patrol to lend the cursed heap to a highway safety exhibit. The first exhibit was unsuccessful as the garage that housed the car caught fire and burned to the ground. the fire. Mysteriously, the car suffered virtually no damage from the fire. Ooh, now we're sounding like Christine. Mm. The next exhibition at a local high school ended abruptly when the car fell off its display and broke a nearby student's hip. Ouch. The curse continued when the little bastard was being transported when the truck carrying the car lost control which caused the driver to fall out and somehow get crushed by the car after it fell off the back the car fell off of two more transport trucks while traveling on the freeway fortunately not injuring anyone The chips decided that it had enough of the little car, and while transporting it to Barris, the car mysteriously vanished and has not been seen since.
0: I have it in my backyard. Really? Yeah.
1: Okay, Ron's got it. I got it. There are stories of a single piece of the car residing at the Historic Auto Attractions Museum in Illinois. But we're too scared to go and see if that's actually true. Another road trip. There you go.
0: (laughs) All right. So you got a car. I got to come back with a car. All right. All right. So, Russ, can I have picture R4? We're skipping R3. we're
1: playing bingo. R4.
0: R4, please. Here you go. And we're going to talk about the black Volga. During the uh, 60s and 70s, The people under the Soviet rule had plenty to be worried about, from the Cold War to the many dangers and shortcomings of their own government. Their daily life was laced with small doses of terror. However, there was one entity that was particularly (coughs) frightened to them, the Black Volga. The Black Volga. Okay, did we put that Black Volga up yet? Uh, See, nobody knew who drove the black Volga some said it was priests some said nuns some swore it was Satan worshippers some even claimed it was the devil himself
1: oh my goodness
0: yes the black Volga was a Volga limousine with white rims and curtains that would come out of nowhere sometimes its rear view mirrors Actually, horns. <laughs> mm. Okay. It abducted children and then killed anyone who approached it. Sometimes instantaneously. There it is. Other times, exactly 24 hours later. Ooh. No one knew why they took children. Maybe they were sold for rich, to rich Arabs. They're plump and tasty. Who needed blood to cure <laughs> leukemia. <laughs> I don't know where okay. they got that. Maybe <laughs> the kids were just harvested for their organs. Oh. The myth of the Black Volga was widely spread throughout the vast areas of Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, Poland, and Mongolia. Although there was no evidence to support it, or none to debunk it, mm-hmm. the story is worth noting that Black Volga limousines were the most expensive car available. The Soviet Union at the time, as such, they were driven mostly by polytrucks, Soviet political commissars, and other communist (laughs) officials—the very class responsible for the people's plight.
1: Uh Aha! At
0: least no dogs were killed.
1: No, no dogs were harmed in this story.
0: That's my. What do you got now, kid?
1: That's pretty cool. I like it's that a one. Pretty cool looking car, actually.
0: Steely, yeah. When it was a limousine. It was expensive.
1: Yeah. All right. So I have a plane. I have another plane story. Um, let's see. How many? We have like 10 minutes left here. All right. So I'm going to jump. I'm generally going to jump ahead. You can jump ahead. All right, and I know this is a story that probably many, many people have heard. Really? But now you're going to hear it again. The ghosts of Flight 401.
0: Oh, I, uh, I remember that.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: No, I actually remember it when it happened.
1: All right. This is one of the most incredible stories of haunting in recorded history, involving many independent witnesses and several aircraft. The story begins in December 1971 when an Eastern Airlines L-1011 TriStar Airliner Flight 401 crashed into a swamp in Florida. The cause of the accident was traced to a relatively minor flaw in the cockpit design, but one that would cost 101 people their lives. Among those killed was pilot Bob Loft and engineer Don Repo, but it seems both men were not through with this world yet. And uh, Russ, this is not going to go in order, so uh, this is 5-5 will be the picture. There we go. Good job. Those are the pilots. All right. And in the wake of the crash, a number of parts of Flight 401 were salvaged and then used in other aircraft in the Eastern Airlines fleet. In the years that followed, many of the aircraft that received parts from 401 were found they, uh, found they often had an extra crew member or two on board in the form of the spirits of the dead crew members. At first, crew members who knew the two men reported seeing them during flights, but many chalked these sightings up to mistaken identity mixed with the emotions of having lost two colleagues. Oh. However, it was not long before passengers began reporting seeing them. In one extraordinary incident, a woman found that a man in an Eastern Airlines uniform had somehow managed to sit down next to her without her noticing. Concerned about the rather ill look of the man, who was apparently unconscious, she called the stewardess. Both of them watched in amazement as the man simply faded away in front of them, sending the passenger into a fit of hysterics. Both the stewardess and the passenger later identified him as Don Repo from pictures shown to them of Eastern Airline employees. Indeed, of the two men, Repo appeared most frequently to crew and passengers and apparently wasn't content with just performing disappearing acts. He seemed to be actively trying to prevent another accident, appearing to other flight engineers, reporting, reportedly telling them that he had done his own pre-flight check and the aircraft was fine. Perhaps his most dramatic appearance was when a stewardess saw his face in the galley oven, which reportedly was also a piece of Flight 401. The stewardess called another crew member, and the two of them heard the dead man warn them of an impending fire. Later in the flight, the aircraft suffered an engine fire and was forced to land, but but fortunately, no one was hurt. Over time, the sightings dissipated. Or maybe we're suppressed by Eastern Airlines, uh, and with the drawdown of the tri tri-star fleet, it is unlikely they will return. Wow,
0: I remember that. I actually, remember that. Really? That incident happening? Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: I, I, I was around, but yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I do
0: remember it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk. Uh, we haven't talked about trains, so we've been up through a train. No, we're not. So I'm going to hit Ghost Today again, and. Uh, Talk about uh, one of the train stories in here, which is on page three forty-four. All right, December tenth, nineteen ninety-seven. The Silver Pylon, built in nineteen sixty as a prototype, the eight-car silver aluminum subway train was featured on a Swedish television program, Det Spuka. <laughs> A popular show that deals with allegedly true hauntings, and rightfully so, because the silver pylon, which means silver arrow in English, or Ron speak, uh, (laughs) was taken out of service. The gleaming phantasm has been seen many times. Subway employees, commuters have all witnessed the flash of the silver paling pylons, zipping through tunnels and unused lines, even stopping to pick up unfortunate passengers. Mm. Those unlucky enough to board the glowing specter receive more than they bargained for. Once the train door closes... They become lost in time and space and arrive at their destination hours, days, and even months later. Wow. The less fortunate ones are said to get off at the abandoned Kimilin station (laughs) and disappear, never to be seen again. So if you ever go to Sweden... For either business business or pleasure. I think I'll go for pleasure. Mm. You might uh, decide to venture out into the rough subway system, but beware of the silver pylon. Remember this. Barada Gunga Stiga Aba Kimalaga. Only the dead get off it. Kimalaga.
1: I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Wow, that was a stunning pronunciation. Thank you. That was wonderful. I always get the good ones. You did. Yes. You did. And you know what? I just
0: did such a good job on that, didn't I?
1: You, you did. Yeah. You did such a fabulous job. They've given us the rap cue. Really? <laughs> Already? <laughs> it's that time. I know. I know. I'm, I've I'm got still, so many stories I still have to more tell. stories. We had fun telling these ghost stories, these transportation ghost we'll stories. will do it again sometime. We do. We or,
0: you know what we could do? We could what? intermittently put them into our shows.
1: Aha. See? You can't escape us. We're going to give you more transportation. You're going to these when you you know, what am I not? <laughs> <laughs> we got the thumbs up from it's Russ. It's worth just listening to me pronounce Oh, names. my God. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to our oh, yeah. haunted planes, trains, and automobiles stories tonight. And we hope you've enjoyed them.
0: And we are going to thank, what's his name? Would you give a call
1: who? Him. What's his name? Him. Oh, Gus. 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 in back of us. Yeah, Gus. That guy, We're Gus, back Gus yeah. for being with us today. Thank you, Gus, for looking over us and keeping us
0: safe. And remember, if you see safe. a red, rusted pickup truck driven by Gus, right like hell. Because <laughs> your dog's going to die and he's going to burst <laughs> into <the> flames.
1: <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month.
0: From goalies to ghosties.